Now, what we want to do here is just really be sensitive to the Spirit of God. Allow Him to do what He does best, which is, of course, changing people's lives through His Word, but through His, through his presence, and that's ultimately what we're after. So, if, if, again, we want to welcome you to this church. I should do that. Welcome. If, if, if you've not been here before or if you've been here a few times, well, welcome back. We're so glad that you're here. What kind of church is this? It's a church that just loves Jesus. We love His presence. We love all everything about Him. And let me just tell you, if there's anything that you've been blessed by this church or you like this church, do you know what it is? It's because of him. Yeah, if there's anything you don't like about this church, well, it's us. So, <laughs> and what we're doing is we're doing our best. We're working our best with what we got. We're just going to continue to pursue him. That's the best thing that we can do is go after him. And that's, that's the whole heart and motive behind everything we do here. So if you have your Bibles with you, let's turn to them in 1 John chapter 5 again. And we've been reading this verse forever. Now, until you can quote it, we can't move on. So does anybody know verse 1 yet before they put it on the screen? Okay, so we're going to do it again. 1 John chapter 5. Let's go to verse 1. <laughs> All right, it says this. And those that are joining us online, we want to welcome you too. Thanks for joining us. We're glad that you're here. It says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah is God's spiritual child and has been fathered by God himself. And everyone who loves Father God loves his children as well. This is how we can be sure that we, love the that we love the children of God, by having a passionate love for God and by obedience to his commands. True love for God means this, that I obey his commands and his commands don't weigh us down as heavy burdens. Verse 4, for you see, every child of God overcomes this world and this, our, this is our victory for our faith is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. Verse 5 again, so who are those who defeat or conquer the world, defeating its power? Those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So again, this morning, how many believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Wow, come on now, that did just make you happy. Woo! How many thankful that you believe that this morning? I'm so thankful that I'm so thankful that I know him. You know what? If I was if I wasn't saved today in 2022, you know what I would do? I'd get saved real quick. <laughs> and it's true, believing that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, believing again that Jesus is the Son of God makes you a world conqueror. So you're not in this place right now of trying to become a victorious one. You already are. You may go, well, some of these, I got areas in my life that I'm not seeing victory. Okay, that may be. So all that it is now is we're learning the, how to operate in the tool that God gave us to live the victorious life. But you and I, to say that I'm not victorious is actually to say that the word of God is not true. That's who you are, and it's simply because of what you believe. You believe what Jesus did. Jesus did all the work. All we have to do is simply go, I believe it, so I receive it. So that's who I am. Now, one of the things we said last, last week, we really need to get this into our understanding, and we have to get this concrete thinking that I am never going from defeat to victory. I am going from victory to victory 
to victory, not one day when my addictions, I'm out of addictions, or one day when sickness, I'm no longer struggling in sickness, struggling in sin. No, no, no. You are victorious now. And the reason why that's so important to have that mindset, because this stance, this position saying that I am victorious now in Christ Jesus, is because the one that take that stance are those that say the finished works of Jesus is a done deal. What he did is more than enough. He's already defeated depression. He's already defeated addiction. He's already defeated sin and its entirety, sickness, poverty, all of the curse of the law. He's already done that. So my stance is he did it and he gave me that victory. The Bible calls you more than a conqueror. What is it to be more than a conqueror? Well, it means that you didn't actually have to defeat or fight the junk that was against us. He already did it and he gave you the victory. So our response is, thank you. (laughs) Christianity, in that sense, is extremely easy. (laughs) He already did the work. Now, (laughs) so what again, like we're saying, we're already going into this place. How do the victorious live? Because again, that's who you are. And again, it's so crucial that we take on this mindset that we are the victorious in Christ Jesus. Because otherwise what happens, you'll go year after year. 10 years after 10 years struggling with the same issue going over and over around the circle because you've never accepted the finished works of Jesus. You're still trying to get there and Satan would love to keep you going in that circle. Say, no, it stops now. I'm victorious now. That issue or that problem that you're facing at right now, maybe that same silly cycle that you've been going through year after year, you say, now it stops because, ah, I'm the victorious one. The devil is just trying to keep you unaware of what you already have. Sometimes, you know, the sad thing is, is that the devil is more conscious of his defeat than a lot of Christians are. Why he was there. All right. (laughs) All right. Let's go on here. What do now, what do the victorious have in common? And I'm going to continue on what we said a little bit last week. The victorious have this in common because if you've been accepted of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've been brought to this table of victory. And at this victorious table, what do they all have in common? If you look through Hebrews chapter 11, you see by faith, by faith, by faith, 25 times by faith that these men and women overcame the obstacles or problems that were facing their way. They did it by faith. So how are we going to understand this? Living by faith, of course, that's our lifestyle. But now what do I need to do? I need to embrace truth with everything that I am. This is what the victorious have in common. They have a passion to know and to live in the truth. So 3 John chapter 1, let's turn here for a moment. And verses 3 and 4. Now, again, we know this, the Apostle John is writing this, but again, the Spirit of God through the Apostle John is writing this. So he says, I was filled with joy and delight when the brothers arrived and informed me. What did did they inform him of? Your faithfulness to the truth. They told me how you live continually in the truth of Christ. Verse 4, it is the greatest joy of my life to hear that my children are consistently living their lives. Where? Come on, y'all, where are we living it? In the ways of truth. So what puts a big smile on God's face? Those that live consistently in the ways of truth. Now, why is truth such a big deal? I don't have this on the screen, but in Ephesians 6, 14, let me read this verse to you. He says, talking about the armor of God, the first thing that he mentions is to put on truth as a belt to strengthen you so that you stand in triumph. So if you don't got this belt on, man, everything else is going to be sure. The belt holds everything. We've heard that. You know that. But notice what it says, so that you continue to stand, where? In triumph. 
So I need to have, be living my life continually in truth. What's the problem again that we see in society is that they don't have an absolute light or an absolute truth that they can pattern their life after. There's no absolutes. So a, a place that I can go that reveals right and wrong. They don't have a place that you know, governs my decisions or brings my emotions in line. They don't have a place that teaches me how to live successfully in this life really prioritize. There's not anywhere to go where I can completely latch onto and lay hold and trust no matter what happens in this life. So instead of living with an absolute truth, they live in the thing called relativism, which simply means this, that there is no absolute truth, only the truths that a particular individual or a culture happen to believe in. So what happens to truth? It's fluid. It's up and down. It changes constantly based on the year based on the culture, based in the city, based in the family, based on the individual's experience, based on the education that somebody gets. It is nuts! All right, moving right along. The problem now with living in relativism is that you will be like a ship without an anchor tossed and driven by whatever is happening. And it is impossible. Now I'm talking to the church this morning. It is impossible for the church, you, to live and experience the victorious life that Jesus gave you without an absolute truth. So if you're finding, well, I believe this because so-and-so. I believe this because that was their experience. I believe this because, you know, so-and-so said this. Or a famous preacher said that. Or, you know, we sang the song once in church and it was like this. If that's governing what our truth is... We're going to be missing it up and down continually. And even though you are victorious in Christ Jesus, you'll never experience it. You'll never see it because the truth is absolute. This is how we have to live our lives in. Now, again, as we said, Hebrews chapter 11, all of those people, they experienced victory because they clung on to the word of God no matter what happened. Now, you and I, what an opportunity we have in 2022. What's the world looking for? They want to see some sort of victory in, in, in areas of their life. And they're looking all in the wrong places. So what an opportunity the church has. And I believe more than anything for the church to be established by truth in these last days. In fact, we must be in a world that is going like this regularly. In fact, a lot of believers are doing this regularly. What is your and I call? To be fixed, firm, and established no matter what comes around us. Doesn't the word of God teach that? Let me just show you this in Psalm 112. I would encourage you. Psalm 112 really is a beautiful picture. Let all of Psalm 112 be a, an image or a vision for your life, what you want to see. Because there's so much in this, but you know what? This is our call. So let the Spirit of God on the inside of you paint this picture. Because this, this is not your calling. And sadly, believers think it's okay. It's not. Steady Eddie. <laughs> All right. So this is talking about a righteous man, a righteous woman. Okay? And in verse 6, I don't have that. But it says, their circumstances will never shake them. Woo! Come on, say never shaken. That's the life that I want. Never shaken. So he goes on to say in verse 7, he shall, talking about the righteous individual, the righteous one. Who's the righteous one? All right, the four of you. The rest of y'all, we're, we're, we're figuring that out a little bit. Okay. The righteous one are those that believe that Jesus is the Christ. He gave you his righteousness. 
Oh, okay, so he says, he shall not. Say it, I will not. Now what? I will not be afraid of evil tidings. My heart is firmly fixed, trusting, leaning on, and being confident in the Lord. Verse 8, he says, his heart is established. That doesn't sound like... It sounds like, woo, how you doing? Meanwhile, all hell's behind you. You go, praise God, look what Jesus has already done. He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. So what am I doing? Rather than looking at the mess that's underneath the table, I'm looking and going, look at that meal. Look at the, look what he provided for me on that table. Woo! <laughs> Sorry, I smucked in the mic. That's not cool. But <laughs> So the question is, why is his heart firmly fixed, established, and steady? Because he lives his life in the truth. Not a truth, the truth. He lives his life in the truth. So I want to encourage you, if you're tired of emotional Christian living, the Word of God will take care of that. And it's not to say we're all robots, no more emotion. We just do what we do, lift hands, praise God, hallelujah. That's not what it's saying. Of course you can have emotion. I have it. But what do we do? I'm not going to let emotion dictate how my life's going to be, nor are they going to lead me in decisions or how things go. The Word of God does that. Like we said last week, there is a revival in the Bible that needs to take place in the church. Woo! All right. Now, so what is truth? His heart is fixed, firmly established in the truth. Well, what is truth? Let's go to John 14, verse 6. Are you ready? Some of you already know this. Some of you this probably preaches better than I could. But John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way. Now listen to these words. This isn't just, you know, cute so you can get a few likes on Facebook. This is like, this is for real. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father, next to the Father, except through their union with me. Do we believe that? All right, I believe that. Okay. So what is Jesus saying here? Jesus is literally saying, I am the new reality. I am the new truth to where these disciples were living. I'm it. Okay, so now, who is, so the truth is Jesus. Who is Jesus? All right, let's go to John chapter 1. Thank you, student, that... <laughs> and verse 1, look at this. It says, in the beginning. Now, what beginning is this talking about? Of Jesus' life? No, this is in the beginning as in before Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, which says in the beginning. So before all of this was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God himself. So notice, you see, in the beginning was the Word. Did you know everything, just a little throw in, everything in your life begins with a Word. This is a word planet that we're living on. So everything in life starts from a word. Okay, verse 2. He, now the word, or he, the word, he, the word, was present originally with God. And verse 3 says, all things were made and came into existence through what? Him or the word. And without the word, or him, was not even one thing made that has come into being. Verse 4, in him, in the word, 
is what? Life. And the life was the light of men. Psalm 119, 105. Your word, the, the entrance of your word brings light. That's why we as a church, what do we got to keep doing? Is preaching the gospel, getting the word out. Because in a dark world, what does it need? Light. So what is the, what's needed? The word. And what's the word? Him. Jesus. All right, verse 5. And he says this. And this light shines on in the darkness. For the darkness has never overpowered it put, it, put it out or absorbed it or appropriated it. And is unreceptive to it. <laughs> I love that. Sometimes when I go in a dark room and I just flick the light on, I just go, bye darkness. <laughs> just for fun. Just, I don't know. I have four kids. I, I just, bye darkness, and then it, off it goes. Wait, come back. Oh, you can't. Okay, yeah, I get it. And every time you bring the word into a situation, what does it do? It shoots darkness out. Verse 14, and what the wonderful thing is, and it says, and the word became flesh, and he lived or fixed his tent of flesh, lived a while among us, and we actually saw his glory, his honor, his majesty, such glory as an only begotten son receives from his father. Now, what was the word, Jesus coming, full of grace and truth? And that's how we grow in our Christian life with him, speaking the truth in love. Why was Jesus have the ministry of? He was full of grace. And he was full of truth. So what is truth? Jesus. What is Je who is Jesus? He's the word. So for you and I as believers, we don't get to choose what our truth is. I mean, of course, you have a choice. But for believers, what he's saying is this, is that I am the way I am truth. So your opinions don't matter. Why? They don't. <laughs> but I have a lot of them. That's the problem. <laughs> but I want everybody and their cat to know that, again, that's the problem. Because what matters is the word. What does Jesus think about it? What does Jesus say about it? That's what matters. Again, if we're not talking about just, you know, we're talking about victorious living. If you want to see victory in your life, this is the foundation for all of this. You can praise all day long, but if you aren't established that the word of God is truth, it's just an emotional experience. <clears throat> okay, now, what is our absolute truth? 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17. Are you ready? He says, all scripture. Say with me, all scripture. What about the Song of Solomon? Have you read that? That's how I make my love letters to Jamie. Enchanté. <laughs> Your legs are like fawns prancing through the lilies. <laughs> hey guys, guess what? It works. <laughs> so somebody say, thank God for Song of Solomon's. All right. <laughs> All right. Forget Hallmark, really. What do you got? Song of Solomon's? <laughs> okay. Verse 16, he says, all scripture is inspired by God, is inspired by God, meaning it's God breathed. It's not a book just about God. It contains his very substance. It's his very nature. It's who he is. All of it contains that. And now this word is useful to teach us what is true. See, this is something you've got to choose to believe this. 
And it also makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. No, there's nothing wrong in my life. Then you haven't read the word. (laughs) It corrects us when we are wrong. I don't need correction. You haven't read the Bible. (laughs) Okay. Oh, man. And it teaches us to do what is right. (laughs) Sorry, I think I'm a little hungover from worship a little bit. (laughs) Verse 17. (laughs) It says, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Now, we could also look at it like this. The word of God, or we could say Jesus, right? Can we use those words interchangeably? The word of God, which is Jesus, if you'll let him, will straighten out wrong thinking Wrong believing and therefore wrong living. Again, the word of God, like we just saw in 2 Timothy, is that the word of God or Jesus, if you let him, he will teach you what is right. He will prepare and equip you for the good works that he's called you to do. So the word or Jesus, through his word, does that. Now, again, very simple, but it's crucial. We just get back to some of these fundamentals. Spending time in the word is spending time with who? Jesus, the Word. Allowing the Word of God to change my thinking is allowing who to change my thinking? Jesus. Can, can, I know it's very simple, but we got to get this. Now again, giving the Word authority over my life is giving who authority over my life? Jesus. Well, I don't want to do that. Then Jesus doesn't have authority. Well, yeah, he does. The Word is him. So if I'm giving the authority to the word of God as over top of me, then in whom am I giving place over that? I'm giving Jesus over top of me placement in my life. And lastly, if I allow my decisions to be framed and formed by the word, who am I giving access to my decision making? Jesus. That's what it means that Jesus is Lord. It means that his word has dominance over every area of my life. If the word says to do this, well, I don't like that, but I'm going to submit and do it. Guess what? Now I'm giving Jesus access into my life. Okay. Now, until I make this decision as a believer, as a born-again child of God, allowing God's word, which is Jesus, to have final authority in my life, I will continue to experience an up-and-down life. As long as I keep allowing other voices to have equal or higher voice in my life, I won't experience the victorious life. Why is this true? Because whatever voice is informing you is forming you. Okay. So it's my choice now to believe and embrace his word as my final authority. And again, choosing, why is this such a big deal that I choose the word of God to have final authority? Because God's access to me is through his word. Or you could say it like this. God's access to me is through Jesus. My access to the Father is through the Word. Or, my access to the Father is through Jesus. Can we see that? Okay, I know you, you probably you, you got this, but it's good just to go over some of these truths again so that we really, hey, going into these last days, the church has to. Not, you know, if you really want to. No, the church has an assignment on it. We are the glorious church that Jesus is coming back for. But while we're down here in this war... We have to be firmly fixed because the devil is looking to get you out of position. He's looking to, you know, cause havoc from this victorious table so that you no longer understand the victory that you have because, again, he's trying to take 
uh, position. He's trying to take influence. He's trying to take ground. But if you and I hold on to our place that God gave us, decide on, within ourselves, I'm going to be firmly fixed. I'm going to be an established believer. He has no access, and he can't gain ground with you and what's yours. Not about you, but I want to be as firmly fixed, first of all, because I love God, but I don't want that punk going anywhere further than this. This is where it stops. In fact, now I'm doing this. I'm taking ground. Okay. Now, the doorway to truth. So we know what is truth. Jesus is the truth. We know, well, who is Jesus? He is the word. Well, now what's the doorway to this truth? I mean, we all came from the outside, and we've been brought into the kingdom of God. So what is the doorway to get access to the ways of truth that we read in 3 John chapter 1 when he talks about there is no greater joy than to see and to know that my children are living and walking in the truth. Here's the door. The entrance to understanding and experience this truth comes from this phrase, Jesus is Lord. Say with me, Jesus is Lord. By saying that, he gave you access into the, the, the truth's room. The same time, you also see what is not true. So let me just lay this out real quick. In 1 John chapter 4, in verse 1 through 5, I'm going to read some of these verses to us. Because again, when you say Jesus is Lord, not only do you walk into truth's realm, but you also can see what's not truth. Because look at this. Delightfully love friends, don't trust every spirit but carefully examine what they say to determine if they are of God. Because why do I have to do that? And listen, you got to do this. This is New Testament, correct? First John is New Testament. So he's saying don't trust every spirit that's speaking, including me. What do you have to do? You have to carefully examine what they say to determine if they are of God. Why? Because many false prophets have mingled into the world. Now, here, you look at verse 2. I love the way it just lays it out. Here's the test. Ready? Those with the genuine spirit of God, they will confess Jesus as Christ. And he has come in the flesh. So if they don't or they can't say Jesus is Lord and has come in the flesh, we don't listen. That's just me. No. There's an enemy that's after your ear. He's trying to form you with his word. So if they can't say Jesus is Christ or Jesus is Lord and he's come in the flesh... I'm not saying hi. I'm saying bye, bye, bye. Okay, verse 3. And everyone who does acknowledge that Jesus is from God has the spirit of Antichrist. Now, again, Christians get weird. We already know who the Antichrist is. It's that guy. That is not for just, Just stop. There's so much of that. It is ridiculous. Our job is to identify. Do you find anywhere in the Bible where it tells, hey, church, you need to find out who the Antichrist is? No. Our job is to test the spirits to hear them out, and if they can't say it, go, and then blast them on Facebook. <laughs> I know it's, it's, uh, we're laughing at it because that's what happens. <laughs> okay, but he doesn't say that either. He says anyone who does acknowledge that Jesus is from God now notice what he has. It doesn't say he is. He has the spirit of Antichrist. Not anti-Jesus, anti-Christ. Anti the anointed one and his anointing. They deny the power thereof. Okay? 
which you have heard was coming and is already active in the world. So the spirit of Antichrist is already here. Has anybody seen it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all around. So what do we do? Test the spirits. Test what I'm hearing by this test. In their, in their message or in their communication, do they say Jesus Christ is Lord? Is he, is he come in the flesh? If not, then you know. There's no question about it. Well, they, got, they have a really good heart. No, this is the test. He's just trying to help people. No, he's trying to deceive. It looks nice. Did you know nice in the dictionary 100 years ago meant stupid? <laughs> Ain't no one wrong with the church. We become nice. Kind is different than nice. Love is patient and kind. Church has become nice. Oh, yeah, come on. Meanwhile, you just brought in the whole deceptor. Shut it out. <laughs> How did it get off on that? Verse 4, little children. Notice the way he even addresses us. Little children, you can be certain that you belong to God and have conquered them, meaning those that have gone out with an antichrist spirit. You have conquered them for the one who is living in you is far greater than the one who is in the world. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 5, it says, they belong to this world and they articulate the spirit of this world and the world listens to them. Now, what you see in these last days, you, I really encourage you to read 2 Timothy chapter 4 because you find in these last days that people actually want to leave truth and find speakers. They're actually looking for speakers that will itch their ears for them. So they'll hear something and go, oh, oh I don't like that. So what are they going to do? They're going to go somewhere else where somebody's got their finger out ready. Oh, that feels so good. It actually says that's what they're looking for. But not you and I. We're looking for what? Truth. I believe that we should know what you should do after every message. You know when you go on the cereal box and you read the contents of, yeah, there's vitamin A, how much, you know, sodium's in it, how much, you know, all that stuff that lays out, vitamin C, all that, right? And you kind of read it, sugar's 29 grams. There's a lot of sugar in that. Well, you could do the same thing spiritually. What are you eating? How much faith is in it? How much word of God is in there? How much opinion? How much percentage? Oh, there's about 4% percentage. That's a lot. All oh, 1%, still a lot. What are we doing? We're preaching the word. Because Jesus told us again, 2 Timothy chapter 4, what do we preach? We preach the word. All right. Okay. So check that cereal box. What are, we, what are our contents? Now again, the truth's door. Look at this. Romans chapter 10 verse 9. He says, if you acknowledge and confess with your lips that what? Come on, say it with me. Jesus is Lord. So this is our access from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son is by saying and acknowledging with our lips that Jesus Christ, he is Lord. And I believe it in my heart that God has raised him from the dead. I am saved. Saved from what? Yeah, hell, but saved. There's a lot more to saved than just missing hell. I'm also saved from lies. I've been brought into truth. Now you and I, once you've embraced and stepped into truth's room, you now qualify to hear the truth. Because apart from this, Jesus is Lord's statement, you and I can't live in the truth. It's impossible for us to know because this is door's access. So now what you and I are involved in is a lifelong journey in changing or exchanging now the truths or realities we had in the kingdom of darkness for the reality and the truth that we walked into Jesus is Lord. 
Can you see that? So this is what we do on a lifelong journey for every area of our life. And Romans 12, 2 paints it out beautifully for us. Are you ready? Don't become so well-adjusted to the culture that you fit in without even thinking. Because what is the culture trying to do? Again, whatever voice is informing you is forming you. They're trying to constantly talk. There's so much news. Every voice has got a purpose behind it. It's not just to go in one ear out the other. It's aimed to get to your heart and to form you on the inside. So he's saying here, don't become so well-adjusted that you fit in to the culture without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from where? The inside out. That means a whole new reality. He says, readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. <laughs> God brings the best out of you, develops well for maturity in you. Now, say with me, Jesus is Lord. So what is the message of the church? Jesus is Lord. In the first message that we ever find in the, in the New Testament after Jesus' resurrection, is in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost. Peter stood up. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues. And everybody thought that they were drunk. So Peter, Peter spoke up and he said, Hey, yo, these guys aren't drunk like you think. It's too early for that. He says, This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and he listed it all off. And he started preaching to them and explaining to them who Jesus was, what he did, that you actually killed him. You killed and crucified the Lord of glory. And notice what he says in verse 36. He says, now everyone in Israel can know for certain that Jesus, whom you crucified, is the one God, and he has made both, the, sorry, in, is the one God, has made both Lord and the Messiah. So what's the message? Jesus is Lord. This is the message of the church. And really, when you and I get a revelation that Jesus is Lord, you have because he, he's your born-again child of God. Yes, but when you really understand what he's Lord of, he is Lord over sickness and disease. He's Lord over poverty. He's Lord over depression. He's Lord over confusion. But now he's the high priest to your healing. He's the high priest to your blessing. He's the high priest to all the, to having a sound and mind in him. That's what he's making sure you and I partake of. Whoa. Now a few chapters later is in Acts chapter uh, 10, verse 36. And, and you, I really have to read this story for yourself. But again, Peter has been called to go to Cornelius' house. And at this time, again, Cornelius is a Gentile, right? So a non-Jew. And still to that point, the whole purpose was that Jesus came and he came to save the house of Israel. So this is what, you know, salvation is for the Jews. And all of a sudden, Peter gets asked and invited to go to this man's house and preach the gospel to Cornelius, to a Gentile. And again, Jews don't go into Gentiles' home. They're unclean. They're dirty. Yet, what did God tell him in this trance? Go with him. Don't, you know, eat and kill whatever I may clean. Don't call impure. So Peter goes to this house, and all of a sudden, he sees the Spirit of God fall on these people. They start speaking in other tongues. And now God, and Peter said this, God sent his, his word to the Jewish people first, announcing the wonderful news of hope and peace through Jesus, the anointed one, who is the what? The Lord of all. What's the message of the church? Jesus is Lord. My sick days are over. My depressed days are over. Why? Jesus is Lord. He defeated it all. He destroyed it all. And by acknowledging and confessing Jesus is Lord, I now sit at this table. And at this table, truth is being spoken for what it is. 
And now I'm in this whole time of decluttering all that trash that I may have lived in for so many years. You got to let that go because it's not the truth. It may be an experience you had. It may be some things that you went through, but that is not who you are. You aren't a drunk. You're not a sex addict. You're not an alcoholic. You're not a drug dealer. That's not who you are. That may be things that you used to do, but Jesus completely wiped all that out and made you completely brand new on the inside that he has to reintroduce you to who you really are at this table. And you keep bawling and going, God, this is what I did. This is what I did. He says, I forgot all about that. Let it go. God is the only one that's capable of actually forgetting what you did. So how stupid would it be just to remind him at this table, this is what I've done. This is what I've done. Stop. I don't remember that stuff. Let it go. Start acknowledging every good thing which is in me because I'm in Christ Jesus. This is who I am. At this table, I have a brand new identity. Speak from that place. Who am I? I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I have a sound mind. That's what I am. That's who I am. I'm the healed. I'm blessed. Yeah, but your bank account doesn't say, do you know what you did yesterday? The accuser is trying to pull you from that spot. Don't let him. Now, Jesus is Lord. Colossians chapter 1, look at this, verse 15. I love this. We're just going to brag on Jesus this morning. If worship team can do it, we can do it, all right? I'm just not going to sing it to you. We look at the sun. No, I'm not going to do that. Okay, <laughs> verse 15. We look now at this sun. We look at, come on, the sun, or we look at the word. And what do we see? We see God who cannot be seen. This is our access to the unseen God. (laughs) We look at this sun or we look at the word and we see God's original purpose in everything he created. So that's what the enemy's trying to do. He's trying to distort the image of what we see Jesus to be so that you and I keep identifying with the first Adam. You know, really the Bible is about two men. The first Adam and the second Adam, who's called Christ. You identify with one or the other. So what God did through Christ is he said, this is who I made you to be. This is who you are. This is the assignment that I gave you from, and I had way planned before the foundation of the world. This is who you are. This is the truth. Where do I see the original purpose? It's in him. It's in his word. When I see Jesus walking on water, that's what he created me to be. So God, Jesus is not just an example for us. He's an example of us. When I see Jesus walking in the streets and people just looking to touch the hem of his garment, don't identify as a person always trying to, I just got to touch Jesus. No, people are trying to get to you. Why? Because of who lives on the inside of you. All right. Verse 16, he says, everything, absolutely everything. Say with me, everything. Above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose where? In him. He was there before any of it came into existence. And he holds it all together right up to this moment. (laughs) And when it comes to the church, he organized it and he holds it all together like a head does to a body. Verse 18, he is, or he was the supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme in the end, and from beginning to end, he's there, towering far above everything, everyone. 
So spacious is he, so expansive that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. So who are you? I'm not a broken person. Some of you got to say that. I'm not a broken person. Who am I? I'm whole. Other translations say that I'm complete in him. I'm not broken. You may have gone through some things. There may be broken heart. Absolutely. But what did he came to do? He came to restore that. So what do I have to do? If there's some things in my life that are feel a little dislocated and dis, you know, out, of, out of position, I need to see him. Can you just pray for me? Absolutely, we'll come alongside and pray. Absolutely, we'll do that. But what you need more than anything is you need a revelation of who he is. Because when you see him from his word, <gasps> that's not who I am anymore. Nope, that's, that's done. I, that, that sin, that thing that I, that I thought was unpardonable, that thing that I thought I would never get free from, I'm delivered from because I saw him. His blood did more for you and I than what Satan did in Adam. Do you believe that? So what do we do? I got to go after Jesus. I have to go after him with everything I got. You know, problems, this life may be complicated, but the answer is simple. It's him. Look at this, Colossians 3. You doing okay? I got giving you a lot of scripture this morning. Good. Because in order to be scriptural, you need, okay, Colossians 3. Look at this, verse 1. He says, so if you're serious... If you're serious about walking this victorious life, if you're serious about letting go of those old things that have tainted you and have continually brought you down to a low place where you just don't even know what to do with yourself, if you're serious about living all that, are you serious about done being sick and tired of being sick and tired? Are you done? Y'all, are you done? Or do you want to keep moping around a little bit? Have another week of this. No. Come on, y'all. Somebody's No. I'm, it's enough. I'm fed up with it. So what does he say? We don't have to wait another week on this. I don't have to wait another year. Maybe things will pan out in a year from now. No, I am victorious in Christ Jesus. I sit at this table as a king and a priest to God, so it stops now. So what do I do? If I'm serious about living this new resurrection life with him, act like it. Act like it. What do I do now? I pursue the things over which Christ presides. And I don't shuffle along. Life is just so unfair. People are just so mean. Government stinks. My job stinks. Gas prices are stupid high. But do you know what all that is? I know we laugh at it, but do you know what the reality is? He's trying to pull you down onto the distractions right in front of us. Absorbed with the things right in front of us. And all we're just doing this, oh, I just don't get it. Instead, he says in verse 2, ready? We're going to do it. Can you guys click there so I don't look stupid? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what are we, <laughs> we going to do? That's what I was waiting for. <laughs> look up. Come on, say it with me. Look up. Look up! Come on again! Look up! 
Abraham, 100 years old. There's no Viagra back then. What did God tell him? Look up. Come on, y'all, again. Look up. And what? Be alert to what's going around at this right hand of the Father that you are seated with. Sit there. Look around. That's where the action is. See things. Come on, y'all, listen. See things from what? From his perspective, which is the truth. And instead, what we do is we major on, I got, man, I'm, I'm in pain, I'm in pain, I'm in pain, I'm in pain. And what the devil's got on your brain is pain. What is he telling you to do? Look up. Look at the finished works of Jesus. Look what he did. Start seeing that and form a new image on the inside of you rather than seeing yourself as defeated, as this is the way that it is for the next hundred years. See it differently. How do I see it? I have to see things from his perspective, which is what? The truth. My final authority. This may be wrong, but that's not my final authority. This is. So what do I need? I need to see him for who he is. Oh, we need him. And on top of all that, what's, <laughs> we need him because when we see him, we become just like him. Because again, that's the call. You become what you behold. Second Corinthians, look at this, 3 verse 17 and 18. Now, the Lord, and I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. And wherever he is Lord... Come on, y'all. When he is Lord, meaning what? When he's supreme in authority, when he has a final authority in my life, guess what comes? Freedom is there. So if I'm not experiencing freedom in my life, do you know what it is? I haven't embraced the truth for one, but I haven't given Spirit of God lordship over my life, meaning he dominates every thought that comes my way. He's dominating every action that may be coming my way. He's in charge of my life. So he is now, wherever he is, Lord. So Spirit of God, through the Word of God, says, lift up your hands unto the Lord. Well, I don't want to do that. Is he Lord? Well, yeah, he's my Lord. Is he, though? Because we're going to worship. We're going to take some time just sing to him. I don't want to really want to sing. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing! <laughs> I think some of my childhood just came back at me. And, oh. I remember my dad when we were kids, every Sunday morning, we'd be showering. He'd come into the, like, to the, the bathroom, we were showering. Boys, what are we going to do today? We're going to sing. Is that it? I, we're going to clap, probably. <laughs> and? I'll, I'll, uh, what else? You're going to lift your hands. Uh, yeah, yeah, sir, I'm, I'm gonna, that's exactly what I was about to do. <laughs> uh, okay. So then in church, we, what are you doing? I, this, is what, this is what we do. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> but I'm so grateful because sometimes, you know what? You need encouragement. Your flesh has a will. Your spirit wants to bless and worship God. Your flesh just wants to go, eh, I'm tired. We had an hour less of sleep last night. Don't you know that? I'm wasting my time lifting my hands and singing and using all that energy. I got one less hour of sleep. That's flesh. And you go, oh, yeah, it sounds reasonable. No, all reasonable things is flesh. So stop fleshing out. <laughs> All right, 2 Corinthians 3, look at this. Verse 18, now the last verse there. It says, we can all draw close to him. Now this is what the blood of Jesus has done for us. Aren't you thankful for it? So if you said Jesus is Lord, you can draw close to him with the veil 
removed from our faces. And now with no veil, we all become like mirrors. What is that? We reflect. Who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. How do I go from glory to glory? It's seeing him. I have, listen, the veil has been lifted. The moment you call, cry out to the Lord, 2 Corinthians, I think, 3 verse 14 says, when you say acknowledge Jesus as Lord, the veil is lifted, and now you can see God. Say with me, Jesus is Lord. Oh, I can see him. He took the blinders so that you can see this word. This isn't a complicated word. God never designed it to be so difficult. Religion made it difficult. People with wrong motives made it difficult. But it's extremely easy. But you have to want it. You have to want to see him. Guys, go back to that 2 Corinthians 3, last part there. It says we are being transfigured. That means changed into whose image? (laughs) Again, him. We're turning into him. Woo. Not a better version of yourself. Oh, I just need to be a better me. No, you, you still suck. We need to be like him. <laughs> oh, man. I only say what I hear my father say. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> But that's, that's, the, that's the desire of my heart. I didn't mean that in any kind of way. So if you're like, if you're mad at me, I'm, I apologize. That's not what I meant. But the, the goal is not to be a bit, I'm not trying to be a better Joel for you. Who am I trying to be? My goal is to be transfigured into his very image. So look more and more like him. Remember hearing this from Smith Wigglesworth, like the Lord spoke to him when he was walking down the stairs and the Lord said to him on the inside, he said, Smith, I'm going to burn you completely up. So nobody sees Wigglesworth anymore. They start to see me. That's what I want in my life. That's what we want for the church, the church. that you don't just see impact. We want people to see him. Because when they see him, they're drawn to him. Oh, man. And then he says, this glorious transfiguration comes. Who does it come from? The Lord, who is the Spirit. So what are we doing? We're fixing our eyes rather than dragging our feet. We're looking up, being alert, seeing what's going on from that level. And then my last scripture is right here, is Ephesians 1.17. This is why the Apostle Paul prayed this verse for the church. Do it every single day for yourself. He says, I pray. Lord, this is what I want more than anything else. More than a new house. More than a new pair of Air Jordans. More than hockey tickets. More than anything else in this world, God. What do I want? I'm asking you, the Father of glory, the God of my Lord Jesus Christ, would you impart to me the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know who? Him, which is, which is what? The Word. It's to know the Word through my deepening intimacy with Him or the Word. How intimate can we get with this Word? Oh, man, we can get so close to this. It's my word, it's my word, it's my word. It's not just a cool, you know, some nice things that pick me up once in a while. It's my relationship with him. Oh, that's why I can dance and celebrate in church because I've gotten in the book, I've seen him. And when you see him, you can't help but go, woo, that's who he is. So for us, church, this is what we're called to. No more relativism, meaning no more up and down, meaning I have an absolute authority. I have an absolute truth that I go by. 
And Lord, I'm making that decision that your word is that in my life. And by doing that, watch how things start to unfold. Watch all the things. You start seeing things for what they really are. Rather than being moved by every crisis that the world is going to face, listen, wars and rumors of wars are going to continue. It's getting darker in the world. You can't change that. But what do we do? We get more established. We get brighter and brighter as we change into the image of him. So let me just caution you as we, as we go forward, whatever voice is informing you is forming you. So take heed. I mean, it's great to understand what's going on. It's great to hear those types of things. But don't let it mold you or move you in such a way where now you're just ticked off when you go to bed. Because it's easy to look around and hear all these things talking and squealing and doing all this. Rather than letting that actually get on the inside, I have my bodyguard up. And if they're not things that are lovely and of a good report, bodyguard, kick them out. Bouncer is there and he's going to ching bounce it out and I'm going to keep my eyes fixed from his perspective. His perspective is good. Amen. I want to just take a moment. If there's anybody here that has never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've never done that before and would like to do that today. Listen, this is your day. Come on in. Don't wait another day. This is your time. God loves you like crazy and he wants to start a relationship with you today. So if you've never done that before, would you just just shoot up your hand real quick? I want to just make sure. You sure? All right. Just making sure. And if you're like, I don't really feel like raising my hand. Okay, no problem. Then I would encourage you, come up. We're going to have a prayer team that will be up here. Come talk to them. And, you know, maybe this is maybe a good first step for you. But let me encourage you. Jesus said this, if you can willfully acknowledge me in front of men, I'll acknowledge you before my Father and in his angels. We've all had to do it. I had to raise my hand. I had to, I got pulled in front of everybody and rededicate my life because this pastor's kid was in sin. Did I do this? No, I meant God loves me. He came up and man, I just, I came up and it changed my life forever. (sighs) He loves you. Let's pray and then I'll Julian come up. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you that your word is true. Your word is active. You are watching over your word to perform it. We believe that, sir. And from this day forward, Father, we consecrate and dedicate ourselves to your word, that your word is my final authority. You know, just say this with me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I acknowledge afresh today that Jesus is Lord. He's Lord of my life. Therefore, your word is Lord of my life. What you say goes in my life. What you say goes in my thinking. What you say goes in my behavior. I thank you for your word. And I do ask you, sir, that you would open up my heart, flood it with light, give me a heart to see and to know Jesus for who he really is. Holy Spirit, Thank you for living in me, for being mighty in me, and for leading me and guiding me into all truth and for revealing Jesus in my life. I give you the praise. And as I go into this week, I fully expect to see my King, my Lord, Jesus, in a greater way so that it changes me on the inside. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you, thank you.